Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Let's go to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14, we're starting this brand new series called Stressed. We're going to be reading out of Mark chapter 14, verse 66. We're going to start there. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, you can share with the person you're sitting next to. If not, we're going to put it up on the screens. If you're there, can you say amen? amen? It says this. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. Oh, you were also with that Nazarene Jesus, she said. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said. And he went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him, she said again to those standing around, this, this guy, this fellow, he's, he's one of them. Second time, Peter denies it once more. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, oh, surely you're one of them. You're, you're a Galilean. Right there, Peter had, had enough, right? Verse 71, it says, he began to call down curses. And he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Peter lost it. Verse 72, immediately the rooster crowed a second time. Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And then it says that he broke down and wept. Peter denies Jesus three times as Jesus is rested and he's about to get whipped and beaten to go to a cross. Peter denies him and Peter can't believe this and and he breaks down. He's crying. He's, he's like, you know, bitter and, and he's just upset with himself. He broke down crying. Can we read one more passage? Can, can you go with me to the book of Philippians? Go to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. If you can go with me to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to read uh, verses. I think we're going to put it up on the screen as well. Verses 4, uh, 6 through 9. It says this. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition... With thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. And the God of peace will be with you. I love it. I love what we're talking about today. As we begin this first week of this new series called Stress, really believe that today a lot of people, a lot of us, we're going to be helped. In fact, we're talking around this theme. If you're taking notes, write this down. Today I want to talk from this subject, Overcome, Not Overwhelmed overcome not overwhelmed we're going to overcome and not be overwhelmed i believe that for your life i believe that for my life and i believe that in jesus name we can overcome can i get an amen Amen. 
Come on, why don't we pray? Let's close our eyes, bow our head, and let's ask God to bless this time together. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for every single service. Thank you for everybody watching on our live stream. Thank you for five services across the day. Thank you for this community, this family, this gathering. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would be with us today. Help us, lead us, God. And I pray that even right now, you'll begin to heal some of us, heal wounds of our past, heal our hearts. If anybody walked in discouraged, full of anxiety, worry, stressed out, God, I pray that we would find peace in you. Have your way with us today. Thank you for loving us. We love you, Jesus. It is in your name that we pray. All of God's people say. Oh, come on. All of God's people say. Oh, come on. 11 a.m. Can you make some noise for Jesus one more time? Come on. Make some noise. Overwhelmed. Have have you ever felt overwhelmed? (laughs) I think life can make us all feel overwhelmed at times. Life sometimes can give us a little bit more than we can handle. I think sometimes life just gives us so much and we try to carry it. I I actually think sometimes we're overwhelmed because we're trying to carry more than we can. And so we sense and we feel overwhelmed. Right. I don't, I don't know if this has happened to you or, or if you're like me and Diana, but we have kind of like this game that we play where when we go home from uh, doing some grocery shopping, we try to make sure we can take all the grocery bags in one trip inside the house. Anybody like us? Come on. I don't know about you, but we, we kind of look at all the grocery bags and the bottles of water and all that. It's like, okay, how are we going to get all these bags inside the house? And, and sometimes we will put like 10 bags per finger. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, like I'm just, my fingers can't sustain it. They can't, I mean, but I'm doing everything. I'm not coming back out to the car to get more bags. Like, you can judge me. You can say whatever you want. Like, Alex, let's do five trips. No, you do five trips. I'm going to get as much bags as I can inside. And, and sometimes we'll show up at the door and, like, the fingers already have, like, no blood circulation. They're turning red, purple, blue, and... Come on, anybody like us? And you're just, you're trying to carry it. Like, my fingers are stressed. <laughs> my fingers are stressed out. A lot of times, I think life can look this way. Life can, can feel kind of like you're just stressed out. I'm, I got a little bit more than I can handle. Life is a little bit crazy, and it feels like circulation of life, of peace. It's out of our life. Right, we got bills. We got to pay the mortgage. Got to pay the rent. Got to pay the daycare. Got to take care of all these bills. Our finances are not where we want them to be. Right, our our relationships, our our marriage is not where we want it to be, and it can add stress to our life. We're overwhelmed by all the things. Our our hectic schedules. Life can get crazy, and all of a sudden, it can feel like I'm just. I'm just stressed. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It can can feel like I'm overwhelmed with life. And all it takes is for you to turn on the TV and watch some news just for a little bit, and it will stress you out some more. If it's not mass shootings, if it's not bombings across the world, if it's not wars, it's negative local news. And all of a sudden, it's like, what is going on in the world? My life is crazy, and the world is crazy, and, and sometimes I can just feel overwhelmed. Like, whoa, this is a lot, God. This is wild. And what happens is that stress can lead now to this thing called anxiety. I think anxiety has always existed, and I think we, it's, it's been part of, like, human history. But, but I do believe that it is increasing rapidly as time keeps going. It's always existed, but maybe because of technology and communication, we hear about it a little bit more now. But, but anxiety is also on the rise. 
In fact, I, I got some t- statistics to show you. Ch- take a look at this uh, about anxiety. This is where we are. Approximately 40 million American adults, roughly 18% of the population, has an anxiety disorder. 40 million Americans have anxiety, right? It says 30% of college students reported that stress had a negative impact and neg- uh, negatively affected their academic performance. Almost 40% of Americans are more anxious than they were at this time last year. Stress, anxiety. It says actually the millennials, the generation that's coming, they are the most anxious generation of all time. Right? Not left behind is the baby boomers generation. They actually had the greatest increase in anxiety. They had a seven-point increase from 2017 to 2018. Anxiety is affecting all of us. Anxiety is affecting our society. Anxiety is affecting our culture. And it's increasing as we're moving forward. Anxiety, it's, it's getting the best of us. And when you have a lot of anxiety, it can lead to this thing called depression. Depression is a real thing. We've heard about depression. Some of us have experienced depression. In fact, I found a definition for depression. This is what depression, kind of how we can define it. A mood disorder characterized by anhedonia, extreme sadness, poor concentration, sleep problems, loss of appetite, and feelings of guilt, helplessness, and hopelessness. I don't know, but looking at that list, I think all of us can say we've been depressed at one point or another. Right? Like I've been there. I've, I've had dark days, extreme sadness, lack of concentration or poor concentration, right? Sleep problems, loss of appetite, feeling of guilt, helplessness, and hopelessness. Like, like, like depression can hit us all. There's moments and days where you wake up and you're just, I, I, don't, I feel like I, don't, I just don't have it today. I just don't feel like going to work. I don't feel like life makes sense. Like we've all been there. Can I get an Amen. Right? We, we've all been depressed at one point or another. We can find ourselves somewhere in there. But I do think there's a problem because I think when it comes to anxiety or depression or illnesses of the mind, mental illness, there's a stigma attached to it. And it's almost like this weird thing about mental illness. Like, for example, if I were to tell you I was sick right now, I had a cold or, or I had the flu, nobody would have an issue with it. I'll go home. Drink some tea, drink some Theraflu. You're going to be all right, Alex. (laughs) Like everything's okay because it's a physical condition. But the minute we say we have an illness of the mind, it's almost like super weird. Like what do you, you have mental illness? Oh, that's weird. You have anxiety. You're depressed. There's this stigma attached to it, especially when it comes to our church world. I feel like the church hasn't done a great job about talking about depression, anxiety, or mental illness. You can be sick in your body, but make sure you're not sick in your brain. Like, oh, you can be sick in your body, but don't tell me that your mind is not okay. And so there's like a stigma that like something weird is going on with you if you have a mental illness. Can I tell you from today on, that stigma is out of our church. That stigma is out of our society. It's out of our culture. Come on, Calvary, we got to lead the way. We got to join together and we got to say, it's okay not to be okay. It's okay not to be okay. If you're in here today and you have anxiety, if you're depressed, and if you say, Alex, I have mental illness, I want to tell you, it's okay not to be okay. We've all been there. Nobody's perfect. We're all imperfect and we're all messed up and we've all walked through dark days in our life. The stigma is done. We need to take it out. And the church has been really famous of giving these over-spiritualized answers when it comes to mental illness. 
I just don't feel good. I feel depressed. Oh, let me ask you something. Have you prayed? <laughs> don't get me wrong. You need prayer in your life. And if you don't have prayer, anxiety and depression will actually increase. But that's not always the only answer. Oh, you, you feel depressed? Let me ask you something. Have, have you been reading the Word of God? Are you worshiping, brother? <laughs> Right, and we give all these spiritual answers and we over-spiritualize things. You need to be worshiping daily. You need to be in God's presence daily. All that is important, but that shouldn't be our only answer to anxiety, depression, or mental illness. There are good counselors. There are good therapists. There are professionals to help us when we're going through dark days, when we're going through depression, and there's nothing wrong with any of that. In fact, it's okay. And so the stigma is how we're going to talk about it. We're going to walk together through this. Life can be stressing. We can be anxious. We can be depressed, but we're going to walk through this together. There is no shame. There is no embarrassment. Come on. We're doing this together. Right. And as society continues to increase in anxiety and depression, we need to talk about it more often. And I want to say, I'm sorry if we haven't talked about it often enough. I'll apologize. We need to talk about this more. As a church, we need to walk through this together. Anxiety, depression, mental illness is increasing, but I do think there's many reasons why it's increasing. And one of the reasons is our lifestyle. The way we're living life is crazy, right? Look at the way this author put it, Stephen Illiard put it this way. We were never designed for the sedentary, indoor, socially isolated, fast food laden, sleep deprived, frenzy pace of modern life. This is the way some of us are living. In fact, I'll put it this way. This is the way most of us are living. Right? Uh, behind a desk all day long, behind a laptop all day, indoor, never go out and see birds, never go out and see a tree, never go out and, you know, feel the wind on your face, socially isolated, no relationships, nobody in your life, eating nothing but fast food and junk food all day long. Your sleeping patterns are all over the place, and life is moving super fast. That's going to affect and that's going to add to anxiety, depression in our life, right? We kind of summed it up in seven different ways that our lifestyles is actually affecting our anxiety and depression and worry. Number one, poor physical life, right? American Western culture, we sit a lot. And so we're always sitting down behind a desk in an office and always on a computer. Our eating habits are really bad. Our sleeping patterns are terrible. There's people in here that you're only sleeping three hours a night, four hours a night. Can I tell you, that's not sustainable and that's not healthy. Like some of us, we need to get some exercise. We need to go outside and just breathe some fresh air. Like, you know, take, take some time. Like, like today is Sunday. Today could be like your Sabbath. You need to take Sundays like a Sabbath and just disconnect from work. Forget about your emails for a second. Forget about your text messages for a second. Go outside and enjoy a lake with the family. Don't just give God an hour and 15 minutes. Give God your whole day with your family. Go get some rest. Go do something fun, productive outside. Like this is going to help us. We're all in this together. In fact, a lot of you are like this. Today, one of the best things that, that you can do for a lot of us, you need to go home and take a nap. Can I get an amen? Yeah. <laughs> it's okay to take naps. Anybody love naps? <laughs> go night-night for a little bit. Like, Turn off your phone and, and just say, man, I'm just going to enjoy this day. We work 50, 60 hours a week. We overwork ourselves, and so physically, we're in bad shape. It adds to anxiety, depression, worry, and mental illness. Number two, our spiritual habits, 
right? Like we just come and we worship God for an hour and 15 minutes on Sunday and Alex better hurry up, <laughs> right? I think you need to wake up every morning and put some worship. Like, what are you doing spiritually? Don't just leave it for a Sunday. It's an everyday relationship with God. I'm going to talk to God for five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes if I could. On the way to work, what are you listening to? What are you, what are you putting in your spirit, right? Our, our poor spiritual habits is adding to anxiety, depression, and mental illness. I think our cell phone use. Come on, we got a problem with that in our society today. Right, we live on our cell phones. In fact, we don't even have conversations anymore. We do it all through text. Don't call me, just text me. I'm guilty of that, right? Like, we'll just, t- like, just text. I'm just busy. Text me and we'll talk, th- we'll, we'll talk through text. You go to restaurants and you see all these families and, and, and you give the kids nowadays, all they have is tablets, iPads, and iPhones, right? Because so they can stay quiet, eat their food. Otherwise, they won't eat. I don't know, but I grew up in a different generation, we didn't have iPads. We didn't have tablets. We didn't have cell phones. My mom and my dad had a belt called Black Beauty. <laughs> and if you weren't quiet and ate your food, you were going to meet Black Beauty. Nowadays, it's like, oh, just give him a tablet. He could be quiet, right? I don't know. I'm afraid of this generation coming up next. Like, all they do is they're on the phone 24-7. In fact, scientists have come out and said it it creates a negative brain formation being on your phone all day, on tablets all day, watching YouTube all day. That that is not healthy. It adds to anxiety. It adds to depression. And that's not how God created us. I think one of the big ones is social media use. Come on, social media use is adding to anxiety, depression, mental illness, right? Because it creates this comparison culture. You're stuck at work or... You're home frustrated, getting home late at night. You got no money to pay the rent this month. And you open up Instagram and your neighbors are somewhere in Hawaii. <laughs> Wait a minute. What, why can't we be on vacation? You wake up in the morning, got no makeup, bags under your eyes, tired, drool still coming out. You open up Instagram and somebody has a beautiful selfie they just took. What you don't know is they just took like 85 pictures trying to get the right lighting, the right look. You ain't going to sleep like that. You ain't wake up like that. Don't lie. Can I tell you today, Instagram is a lie. Instagram is a lie. You ain't going to sleep with makeup. You ain't wake up with makeup. I woke up like this. No, you didn't. And so we live in this culture where we're obsessed with social media. I don't have what they have. My life doesn't look like them. Can I tell you? It is all a lie. Instagram is a lie. Facebook is a lie. You're comparing your lowlights to somebody else's highlights. Nobody puts a picture of their dirty kitchen and dirty bedroom. Monday morning, amazing, beautiful light. No way. They put their remodeled home. They put their vacations. We all put our... Can I tell you, my life is not as pretty as it looks on Instagram. Your life is not as pretty as it looks on Instagram. Come on, we all go through dark days. We all go through failures. We just don't post any of that. And so if you sit there and compare your life, it creates and adds to anxiety, depression, and worry. Lack of identity. We don't know who we are today, especially this younger generation coming up today. They don't know who they are. Number one most asked question on Google is what on earth, why am I on this earth? What's my purpose? Lack of identity, lack of mentorship. We got a bunch of people that are walking around want no mentors in their life, no coaches in their life. Can't nobody tell me anything. Can't nobody tell me how to live. No, you need somebody to tell you how to spend your money. You need somebody to tell you how to live your life. You need somebody to tell you how to guard your family. You don't have this prideful spirit. 
I live my life however I want. <laughs> Be careful, that's going to get you in trouble. Lack of mentorship, you need some leaders. The young generation, you need some older people, you need some elders in your life to tell you don't go there, don't do this. This is how you do life. This is how you lead your family. This is how you love a wife. This is how you love your husband. This is how you're a man of God. This is how you're a woman of God. We need mentors and coaches in our life. Lack of that adds to anxiety and depression. And then we live in a narcissistic and selfish lives. This is the culture we live in. Selfie culture. All about me. Nobody serves one another. Nobody's serving society. It's just about me, myself, and I. All this adds to anxiety, depression. And then what happened? What do we do with all this, right? We're feeling anxiety. We're feeling depression. We're, we're feeling all this. We are stressed. Some of us are more than stressed. We're stressed out. <laughs> just stressed. What do we do? Well, people act out in different ways, right? Like some people burst out in anger. Some people do different things, right? When you've had it. A lot of people, they choose to go to the extreme route, and they choose to end their lives. They choose suicide. Can I tell you, suicide is a real thing. And it's actually increasing. Last year, around the globe, over 1 million people decided to end their lives. In America alone, over 40,000 Americans decided to commit suicide last year. It is a growing epidemic. The pain is so much. The stress is so much. The depression, the sadness is so much. I think that ending my life would be better than continuing. Can I tell you that is a lie from the pit of hell? Your family is not better without you. Your kids will not be better without you. This world will not be better without you. Can I tell you there's a gift in your life? There's a purpose in your life. You're walking through some dark days. But if you hold on just a little longer, your life is valuable. We love you. God loves you. There's a purpose in your life. We're here for you. We're going to walk with you. We're going to do this together. Suicide is not the answer. Don't do it. You matter too much. You matter. You matter too much. And so we decide suicide just looks like the best option right now. Can I tell you, emotions are like waves. You're going to be crashed down by some waves some days. They're going to say, this is too much. I can't take it. But just like waves, hold on just a little longer. They will recede. We've all gone through it. I'll be honest with you. We all got hurts, habits, and hangups. This is why I love that we have Celebrate Recovery on Monday nights. It's a place that you can just show up to on a Monday night. You just show up and we got people here who care for you. We're going to walk this thing out with you. Amen. Suicide is not the answer. In fact, this is what suicide is. Suicide is a permanent and irreversible attempt to a temporary problem. It's a permanent and irreversible attempt to a temporary problem. Like, like, it, it will recede. I know you're feeling pressure. I know you're feeling that like you can't go on. But, but I'm telling you, hold on just a little longer. They will recede. I know there's some dark days, but I just believe that there's some brighter days ahead. Yeah. Your life matters too much. If you're in here today and you're having suicidal thoughts and you're thinking of ending it and calling it quits, I want to tell you, you matter. I want to tell you, I'm not a professional. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a counselor. We don't claim to be perfect. No, we all go through this. We're just spiritual leaders trying to help you to know God better and have a relationship with him. But there are therapists, there are counselors, there are professionals. And I want the entire church to know this number because it's extremely important. There is a suicide lifeline that you can call. 
And it's 1-800-273-TALK or 1-800-273-8255. If you're in here today and you have suicidal thoughts, you need to call that number today. Your life matters. There are professionals on the other line, on the other side of that line that are going to help you. They're going to put you back up on your feet. Your life matters. You need to speak out. You need to talk to somebody because that is not the answer. Can I tell you, you don't need to die to end your pain. You don't need to die to end your pain. Talk to somebody. We're going to walk this thing out together. Can I tell you today? God cares about your pain. God cares about what you're going through. Can I get an amen? Amen. God is watching you and he sees you and I and he sees our dark days and our dark nights and he sees our tears. God cares. In fact, there's a lot of men and women of God that have walked through dark days and have been depressed. Don't think that just because you're a Christian, everything's okay. You're going to go through some dark days. Right? The Bible's full of men and women of God that went through dark days. In fact, the prophet Jeremiah wrote a whole book on his discouragement and depression. It's called Lamentations. He was lamenting. He was known as the weeping prophet. He would cry and cry. He was depressed. He had some issues in his life. Look what he says in Lamentations chapter 3, verses 17 through 20. He says this, I've been deprived of peace. You ever felt that way? I have forgotten what prosperity is. That means I've forgotten the pleasant and good things in life. So I say this, my splendor is gone and all that I have hoped from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I will well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. He's down. He's depressed. He's discouraged. It's taken a toll on him. In fact, when he says, I remember my affliction in verse 19 in the Hebrew, it literally means to sit there and have negative self-talk all day. Some of us, this is what we're really good at. In the car, in the office, I've been there. We do this. Just thinking about all of our mistakes, everything that we've done wrong. Of course, your soul is downcast, Jeremiah. This is actually a real condition, and it's to have negative self-talk of past, present, and future. Future stuff that hasn't even happened, but you're thinking it's going to go negative. Oh, I'm going to lose my job. You just got the job. You don't even know if you're going to lose it. My family's going to walk out on me. I'm a failure. I'm a bad dad. I'm a bad mom. I'm a bad husband. I'm a bad wife. I'm a bad believer. I'm a bad Christian. You think about all these negative consequences that can happen. Your soul's downcast. Paul's been there as well. Paul says this in the book of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. He says, we do not want you to be uninformed. And I want you to know, Calvary, we don't want you to be uninformed either. He says this, brothers and sisters, about the troubles that we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despised of life itself we were out of it so we dealt with some pressures paul was like i thought i was done i thought life was finished an incredible man of god who was just like this is crazy we're under incredible incredible pressure anxiety stress it's actually extremely real I want to tell you today, as a church, over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about this, and we're going to help one another out. One of the things that adds to our stress, I believe, and it's the one that I want to wrap up with today, is, is failure. Failure will add to your stress. Failure will add to anxiety, and failure will add to depression. I think a lot of us, we, we're stressed out because of some of the failure in our life. Like, I failed as a husband. I failed as a wife. I failed as a mom. I failed as a dad. Your failure of the past, or maybe you're currently failing, or you're thinking, I will fail. I can't do this. I'm never going to be that dad. I'm never going to be that mom. I'm never going to be that believer. I'm never going to be that Christian. 
I got these addictions, these habits, these hangups in my life. And so it, cre- it, it just creates more stress. And it leads to anxiety. Like, I'm never going to have that life. Failure. Failure is huge. I messed up again. I went down to a place I shouldn't have gone to. You know, a lot of men and women in the Bible, they went through failure as well. And one of them is Peter, which we read at the beginning. Peter, Jesus is like best friend. Walked with Jesus for three and a half years. Saw incredible miracles. At the end of Jesus' life, Peter fails miserably. In an epic fashion, like, like Peter fails big time. Peter, who's, who's walked with Jesus, he's seen all the miracles. In fact, right before he fails, about a week and a half, two weeks before, he had experienced some of the greatest moments. He went up with Jesus to what's called the Mount of Transfiguration. And there Jesus showed him what he was going to look like after resurrection. He got a preview. And I love previews. <laughs> Peter saw the preview. And it says that Moses and Elijah shows up. And, and Peter's blown away. You got to read that story. It's amazing. Peter's like, oh, my God, this is incredible. They leave the Mount of Transfiguration. And they go down to Bethany where Jesus, like he resurrects Lazarus. Peter is there witnessing all of this. He's having some of his highest highs. But can I tell you, sometimes after your greatest victories will come the biggest defeats. It's the way the enemy operates. He knows that when you're doing really good and when you're on the mountaintop, if all of a sudden he'll bring down some lows and he'll put you to the valley, that's usually where depression, anxiety, and your lowest lows will come. Some of your greatest days, be careful, because right after that, the enemy's going to try to bring some of the lowest lows. In fact, for me, I know that Sunday nights, when I go home and once we're done eating dinner, we hang out and all that, we go home late at night. Sometimes it's midnight when we get home. It's easy for me to lay down in bed and I just think about all the negative stuff that happened on a Sunday. Why did I say that? I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I said that in a sermon. Why did you allow me to say that, Dan? You could have just shut off the mic. I can't believe I said that. <laughs> Instead of thinking of all the good that happened on a Sunday, I will sit there and do some negative thinking. Because after your greatest victories, the enemy's going to try to bring the biggest defeats. Monday morning, we'll wake up, and sometimes Mondays can be the worst days for pastors. Pastors have it easy. Last year, a young guy, 30 years old, a pastor of an incredible church in California, beautiful family, decided to end his life because he was under incredible depression, stress, and anxiety. we got to fight this thing together. Nobody is exempt from it. We all walk through this together. Know those weak areas in your life when you're tired Know those weak areas in your life where the enemy can come in like a flood. Know to be surrounded. Say, hey, you got to be with me Sunday nights. Like, just, just help me to overcome some of these thoughts. Like, get some people in your life that when you got some high highs, I know some low lows are coming, so I'm going to be covered in this area. Peter has some high highs, and they come to arrest Jesus, and he's thinking he's not going to fail. In fact, just the week before, Jesus told him he was going to fail. He's like, no, I'm not. Look at this in Mark. Mark chapter 14, verses 27 through 31, it says that Jesus told them, hey, you, you, you're all going to fall away. Jesus told them, for it is written, I'll strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I've risen, I, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. <laughs> Peter always wanted to interrupt and he had a big mouth. And Peter's like, even if all fall away, I will not. <laughs> and look what Jesus says. Truly, I tell you, Jesus says, today, actually tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself would disown me three times. Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. It actually says all the others said the same. All the disciples are like, I will never leave you, Jesus, with you to the end. Ride or die. <laughs> Later on, they come to arrest Jesus, and it says they all scatter. Peter, he actually stays behind, and he stays in hiding, and 
he tries to follow Jesus from a distance. And we read earlier, a little girl comes up and recognizes, you, you've been with Jesus, you're one of them. No, I'm not. Some other people recognize him. Again, he denies. And they try to tell him one more time, no, you, you are, three times. At the end, he just like literally cursed everybody out. <laughs> Epic fail. The rooster crows, and he remembers the words of Jesus, and he's like, I messed up again. I failed. Like I, how could I deny the guy who's shown me so much? Jesus, the Messiah. I mean, just, just a week before, he had said, you are Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. And here I am now denying him failure. I'm a failure. How could I fail? The Bible says he broke down and wept. He was torn apart. He was broken on the inside. Like I, I denied Jesus. In fact, one of the gospels says that Jesus looked at him after he had denied him. Just imagine the eyes of Jesus on you as they're beating him and, and you've denied him three times. And here you are saying, like, I'm a terrible, terrible friend. I'm a terrible disciple. I'm a failure. Some of you are in here today. All you're thinking about is your failure. You said, I can't believe I messed up again. I can't believe I went to this addiction again. I can't believe I went back to this bad habit. I told my wife I was going to stop. I told my husband I wasn't going to go back. I said I wasn't going to do this thing again. I promised my kids I was going to be different. And all that's on your mind is failure. Failure will add to anxiety and depression. But I just love that we serve a good God that in spite of our failure, he's always loving us. He's always there for us. His mercy, his kindness... It's amazing. I'll wrap up with these three things. Three things. I'll wrap it up. Write these down. Three quick things. Number one, when we fail, the first thing we need to remember is that we need to rely on God's strength. Rely on God's strength. Can I tell you, you and I, we are not that strong. When the enemy comes in with defeat, when there's opportunities for us to fail, we need to remember we are not that strong. Jesus warned Peter, and Peter's like, nope, not me. I got it. I'll never fail. He was relying on his own strength. You need to remember you are not that strong. I am not that strong. We need to make sure we are always guarded and we rely on the supernatural strength of God. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. Paul says, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Some of you in here, you're like, ah, I can mess around with my coworker. I'm not going to commit adultery. I can continue those nice texts. I'm not going to fall for it. I can play around a little bit. I can just gamble a little bit. I'm not going to lose everything. And we're playing around with fire. Can I tell you, you need to rely on God's strength. And some of you, you need to run away from some of those numbers and some of those friends because they're not healthy for you. They're not healthy for your marriage. They're not healthy for your relationship. They're not healthy for your journey after Jesus. You're not that strong. I'm not going to cheat. I'm not going to steal. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to tell you this. All it takes is the right situation for all of us to do it. None of us are perfect. I need, I need to wake up in the morning and say, Holy Spirit, I need you today. Your strength is in me is greater than the temptations against me. You need to wake up in the morning and declare God's strength over your life. Rely on his strength. We can't do it alone. We need his strength. Number one, rely on his strength. Number two, remain in God's presence. This is extremely important because I think a lot of Americans in Western culture, we come to church once a week. And that's if we can make it, if not once a month. I'm good. Me and God are good. I got a good relationship with him. Listen, failure will come and it comes to destroy your life. You need God's presence in your life. 
more than just three, four songs, more than just a message. You need to every single day walk with God. You need to put on worship in the morning, on your way to work, when you get to work, on your way home. You need to saturate and fill yourself with the presence of God. It's not just Sunday, it's Monday, it's Tuesday, it's Wednesday, it's Thursday, it's Friday. I need to fill my mind with God's presence. I need to fill my soul with God's presence. Right? You, you need to saturate yourself with that. If you're already full of anxiety and depression and you're already having all these emotions and you get in the car and all you put on is this music that says I cheated on my wife and I left my husband and my kids are all over the place and they killed my dog and I'm sad and I'm depressed, it's going to add to your depression. It's going to add to your anxiety. And all you hear are these phone calls of people cheating on one another. What's going on? And this one found out. Who are you going to take to the concert? Your girlfriend or your wife? It's like, what? It's going to add to what you're going through. You get in the car and you put another in the fire. Or you put, you love my whole heart. Oh, I'm broken, but I got a God that's with me. I got a God that loves me. I got a God that's for me. You begin to saturate your mind. You begin to fill your spirit with God's presence. I'm telling you, it'll make a difference in your life. It's not a one-day relationship. It's an everyday relationship with God. I need him every single day. Peter was following from a distance. Can I tell you, distance, it will create distortion. You know, remain close to Jesus. Look what the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, chapter 18, verse 1. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. I don't need nobody. Can't nobody tell me nothing. Be careful you don't isolate yourself. Isolating yourself will lead to destruction. Need some people in your life. Can I tell you, if you're the only one that knows your secrets, you're in trouble. I'm going to say that one more time. If you're the only one that knows your secrets, you're in trouble. I'm not saying you need to tell everybody. I'm saying you need to tell somebody. You need to get in CR. You need to get in a connect group. We have over 80 connect groups all throughout the city. Get in one. Get in a group of five, six people. People that are going to pray for you. People that love you. People that want the absolute best for your life. You need to get in a connect group. Look at the book of Ecclesiastes. says, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three stands is not quickly broken. Solomon, the, the wisest guy who ever lived besides Jesus, he says, don't be alone. You need somebody in your life. Two is good, but he says three is even better. Who do you have in your life? Who's surrounding you? Who's watching your back? I'm not talking about friends that only want you there for the good times. I'm not talking about friends that all they want to do is drink with you and pour. I'm talking about friends that care about your marriage, friends that care about your life, friends that care about your health, friends that care about your mind. Like, who, who's there? We need them. We need to rely on God's strength, remain in God's presence. Number three, we'll finish with this. We need to receive God's mercy, and we need to receive God's grace. Failure. Failure will break us all. Like, I... I've been there. Dan has been there. We've walked through this thing, and a failure has wanted to lodge itself in our minds. And you'll never do this. You're no good for this. You don't have what it takes. You failed at this. You failed at that. And there's some days where I, like, I'm just like, oh, I'm done. I can't do this. Are you kidding me? Like, I'm not far from perfect. I've got a whole lot of imperfections. Life is difficult. There's stress. There's anxiety. If I'm not careful and if I don't receive God's grace and God's mercy for my life, I would have been done a long time ago. 
you need to have your eyes open and your hearts open to receive God's grace and mercy. Tough days will come. They won't last. You'll want to throw in the towel and you'll want to give up, but, but God is faithful. I don't know everything, but I know God is good. I'm not telling you I understand your pain, but I'm telling you I understand God's good. And all of us, at times, we're going to look at our life and we're like, I failed. Failed as a husband. I failed as a wife. I failed as a believer. I failed. Like, failure will hold you down and failure will tell you not to keep going. But I love Jesus. Peter, he fails. To me, it's one of the most beautiful stories in the gospel. It's almost like you can read over it. Peter, he fails massively. Peter denies him, and after that, he sees Jesus crucified. And I could just imagine Peter feeling like, oh my, I'm worthless. They put Jesus in a grave, and all the disciples go back to do what they were doing, and, and they're all kind of like, Jesus is dead. Like, this is crazy. And the Bible says that Peter, he goes back to fish. But on the third day, come on, Jesus resurrected. The Bible says that Jesus... Jesus resurrects and he starts appearing to some of the disciples and they all start to see Jesus and they can't believe it. And you know some of those stories. And, and there's this one story in the book of John where, where Peter, he's now fishing a couple of days after Jesus had died. And, and, you know, Peter's out there fishing. And I can just imagine Peter all depressed and down. And he's out there like just thinking of those three times that he denied Jesus. And all of a sudden somebody from the shore goes, Peter! <laughs> hey, guys! And they all look. Have you guys caught anything? Have you tried throwing the net on the other side? And I can just imagine Peter. He's already depressed. And he has a big mouth as it is. And so he's probably like, who in the world is trying to tell me how to fish? I've been a fisher my whole life. They look a little bit closer and they're like, it's, it's Jesus. It's, it's Jesus. Like, that's, that's Jesus. He's alive. He resurrected. The Bible says that Peter, he's so excited that he jumps in the water to swim to Jesus. What I love about it is that shows me that Peter, even though he failed, he knew the heart of Jesus. I want to tell you that even though you failed, if you know the heart of Jesus, you know that you can run to him, you can swim to him, you can crawl back to him, and his arms are open wide. And the Bible says that Jesus, Jesus is cooking breakfast for them on the shore. Jesus said, hey, why don't you come over here and Jesus says this in the book of John, chapter 21, verse 12. Jesus said, hey, come and have breakfast. That to me, verse 12 is one of the most beautiful verses in the Bible. Like, I love this. In fact, I almost named this message, come and have breakfast. Because some of you, you're full of anxiety because of your failures. And you know what you need to do? Have breakfast with Jesus. You need to see Jesus and you need to see him say, come. Come have breakfast with me. I know you failed. I know you've had dark days. I know, I know you haven't been the husband you wanted to be. I know you haven't been the wife. I know you're not the father that you want to be. And I know you think you'll never make it. I know you failed. And I know you went back to that addiction. I know you went back to those bad habits. And I know your life is all messed up. But can I tell you, I know that. But I'm making you breakfast. Can you just come spend some time with me? I love you. I'll restore you. I'll heal you. I'll free you. I'll pick you back up. It's the God that we have. Because in Jesus, we can overcome and not be overcome. Overwhelmed. We have a Savior, and his arms are open wide, and he's saying, 
I love you. You're my son. You're my daughter. I got breakfast for you. Can you come take a walk with me? Can you come do this life with you? Come on. I love you. I'm for you. I'm going to forever be with you. We can overcome in the name of Jesus. Can somebody give God a big, big hand? Come on. Come on. With all of us, we can stand up to our feet. If we can, every person on their feet, if you're willing, if you're able to, let's stand up. I really believe that the presence of God is in this place. I wish we had a little bit more time, and I'm sorry if I went a little bit over time, but I I believe that today is important. There's some of us in here, failures on our mind, condemnations on our mind, guilt, shame is on our mind, because we've done stuff that nobody knows about, because we've made the same mistakes over and over, because we keep making promises and we keep breaking them. Because we don't think that we meet a standard. The truth is none of us meet the standard. And I just hear Jesus saying, come have breakfast with me. Can you come? Come. Come have a meal with me. Sit down. Let's talk. I love you. Come on, with every eye closed. With every hand raised all across this place. We're leaving in just a moment. Some of us in here today, we need to receive God's mercy. We need to receive God's grace. Come on, every hand lifted, every eye closed. Come on, some of us, we just need to, just for a moment, just be in his presence and just begin to say, thank you, God, I failed. I'm a mess. My heart is broken and my my heart is wicked and I have all these thoughts and I've done all these, God, but you're a good God. You love me and you call me to sit with you. You call me to sit at your table and you call me to come walk with you. You're a good God. Some of you today, you need to receive God's mercy. He loves you. He's for you. He loves you. He loves your home. He loves your marriage. He loves your kids. God cares. He sees. He loves you. His eyes on you. Oh, if his eyes on the sparrow, his eyes on you. He's watching. He cares. He's inviting you to come take a walk with him. Some of us need to walk with Jesus. Thank you, God. There is no condemnation for those that are in Jesus Christ. With every eye closed, with every head bowed, all across this place, some of us in here, we don't know God. Some of us in here are far away from God. There's people in here that say, Alex, God can't love me. That's for somebody else, but he certainly can't love me because I've messed up too much. I've done too much wrong. Some of us in here is like, Alex, that's for somebody else, but not for me. I've done some damage. I don't know. It's just, God can't love me. I'm here to tell you, he loves you more than you could imagine. In fact, he allowed you to come in here and listen to this because he loves you that much. And the truth is, all of us are sinners. I'm a sinner. You're a sin- there is not one perfect person in this place today. The Bible says that all of us have sinned. We've done wrong, thought wrong, said wrong. There's not one holy person. We're only holy and separated because of the grace of Jesus. But all of us are sinners. The Bible says that sin comes to separate, but Jesus, he comes to unite. Where sin wanted to destroy, Jesus came to heal. The Bible says that Jesus came and Jesus grabbed all of my sin, your sin, our shame, our guilt. And the Bible says that Jesus carried the sins of the world on his shoulders. All of our condemnation, all of our guilt, all of our shame, Jesus says, I'll take that from you. 
You don't have to live that way. And Jesus put it on his shoulders. He went up on the cross. And the Bible says that Jesus, he died for all of humanity. And today he, he wants you to know that he paid the price for your sin and my sin. The Bible says they laid him down in a grave. But after three days, Jesus, he resurrected. We believe that Jesus, he's alive today. He wants to give you new life. He wants to give you hope. He wants to give you peace. Come on, with every eye closed, with every head bowed, nobody looking around. If we can, please have a moment of privacy, concentration. In fact, the whole church praying. I'm going to count to three in just a moment. When I count to three, if you're in here today, if you're watching online, wherever you are, if you're saying, Alex, I need a relationship with God. When I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. We're not going to put a light on you. None of that. Every eye closed, every head bowed. If you're in here and you're saying, Alex, I need a relationship with God. If you're in here and you say, Alex, I need forgiveness for my sins from today on. I, I need Jesus. I want a brand new life. I want a brand new beginning. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. With every eye closed, every head bowed, I'm going to count to three. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand right where you're at. Hold it up for about five seconds so I can see you. More importantly, I believe God has seen you take this step of faith. Just hold it up for a few seconds. After I see you, put it right back down. Come on, the whole church praying. One, two, three. Come on, every hand lifted. If you're saying, Alex, I need Jesus, can you lift it up a little bit higher? Hands everywhere, hands everywhere. I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. See you and you and you and you and you. You back there, I see you, I see you, I see you. I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. God bless you, amazing, amazing. Anybody else who raise your hand? Father, we thank you so much for all these hands. Thank you for every single person making a decision today. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will seal this moment in all of our hearts and in their hearts. All of us together, I'm going to say a prayer. I want you to repeat after me. The whole church, out loud. Let's say this together like a family. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Come on, say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, that you died for my sins, and on the third day, you resurrected. Come into my life, be my Lord, and be my Savior. From today on, I am forgiven. Come on, say, I'm saved, and I'm healed. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Oh, come on, church, can we put our hands together?